Murder Moms here. Before we start this episode, I went apparently a little overboard with uh, this particular case. And so what we're going to do now instead is we're going to split this one up into two episodes. And the first half will be released today with this part. And then instead of having to wait for two weeks, uh, next week we will get part two. So lucky for you guys, you don't have to wait two whole weeks for an episode. So without further ado, here is part one. So hi everybody and welcome back to Murder Moms. Episode five. <laughs> I'm Maggie and that's Janessa. Uh, so what have you been up to lately? Ooh, this is my favorite part. Um, Our favorite new part. Yeah, because then I have to remember what I've done. I didn't even preface it this time. I just launched you right into yeah, it. Yeah, you did. I had my husband's birthday. Oh, yeah. That I was fun. Ignored it. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't ignore yours. No, it, there was a pandemic. Everybody should be ignoring everything. And I went shopping today for the adopt-a-family thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know what else. I made a bunch of food. That's so good. much food. I made broccoli and cheese soup and potato soup. And I made some wedge salads and some bruschetta. And I saw that on, on your internet. Snapchat? Social medias. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't remember which one it was on. Yeah. that's. I'm going to be honest. If, uh, if I'm not drawing or at work, I'm eating or making food to eat because I love food. That's good. What about you? Uh, my glasses broke on Monday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because so. I sent you the Hermione. Yeah. yeah. I've been glasses-free for three days now, but I have an appointment this weekend to get brand new glasses. Oh, okay. So it's very exciting. Okay. Because um, the ones I had been wearing actually broke like a year ago. Uh-huh. And I grilled glued them back together. Yeah. As one does. And it, they broke in the same spot, but I was like, I took that as a sign that I actually need to go get new ones. I also haven't been able to find my sunnies in like a year. Ooh, I love my sunglasses. I need to get new ones. Right. So I'm super stoked to be getting new sunnies. I get all of my glasses online now. Yeah. And they've proven to be cheaper and actually very durable. Yeah. And I love them. Okay. Oh, also. We have a sticker. I am drawing stickers for all of our episodes. And the first one, Israel Keys, is out now but i'm sure by the time this is out there will be more available but it's so. on my etsy which maggie will link or put in it, the... it is already in the newsletter see look at her perfect sign, sign up for our newsletter the case for today i'm going to subject you to some very terrible french because i don't speak french i'm also going to preface this by saying that uh, i used a lot of french articles as sources and had google translate it um so i don't know if some of these are tabloids, and for all I know, uh, I might have used like the French version of Weekly World News. Yeah. Do you remember Weekly World News with Bat Boy? Yeah. I don't think I did, but I, I might have. So if anything I say is like crazy or has been debunked, definitely let me know. Uh, send us the corrections at murdermomspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and then we can put it in the show notes. Exactly. And in our newsletter, down. that's where our corrections goes in our newsletter. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is actually an open case, and I know that you know what it is already. Oh my god, do I? You do, because we watch the same shows on Netflix. <laughs> We've seen the same Netflix shows. You've definitely heard of this. You definitely know at least some of this. Okay. This is crazy, though. So 
our listeners need to hear about it. And this is the Dupont de Lyonnais murders and disappearance. Disappearance, singular. Okay. Do you know what it is? I remember some of this. Okay. But not enough to where... It's going to come back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so forewarning, because I am American and I already discussed about how we're going to have real bad French in here, I am going to use the Americanized version of everybody's name. Yeah. To cut down on, on how bad I'm subjecting everyone to that I mean... French. So the town names I can't really Americanize. But people names I can. Okay. So. All right. You're well, going to get a little bit of both. Okay, cool. I'm here for it. Okay. It's going to be Americanized. Don't come at me. It's just, this is how it's going to have to be. So, here we go. The Dupont de Lyonnais family consisted of Xavier, Agnes, and their four children, Arthur, Thomas, Anne, and Benoit. And they also had two black labs named Leon and Jules. In 2011, they lived at 55 Boulevard Robert Schumann in non-France in a modest house. This is a picture of their house. Oh my god, you have pictures already available. This is their house. So there's no front yard, it's two stories, and then it has like attic windows. And it looks like... It's, It's attached to other homes. Yeah, it's what you would expect if you imagined like a French townhouse. Okay. That's exactly what you would imagine. Yeah. That, they're skinny tall doors they're skinny little houses too like it's it's very narrow yeah well I, I understand that like french town just i don't know the door is so tall but then again our bathroom stalls don't go down all the way so i'm not yeah gonna... but for perspective non is about three and a half to four hours away from paris and if you're better with populations um it's a little bit bigger than baton rouge and a little bit smaller than new orleans it's about three hundred and three thousand people and then I have a picture here of, like, uh, Google Maps, just mm-hmm. to kind of... So, I've got Paris here. Up top in the up right-hand top corner. Up top in the right-hand corner. And Non is way over here, so... How many miles is it? A lot. <laughs> it's three and a half to four hours. Okay, so, like, 200 miles? Yeah, there you go. Non is closer to the west coast. Yeah. It's not on the coast, but it's closer to, like, yeah. the, the west coast. Mm-hmm. Agnes worked at a Catholic school and was very religious, regularly attended mass with her kids, and she was very kind but very strict. And the oldest child, Arthur Nicholas, actually had a different father, um, but was recognized by Xavier when he married Agnes when Arthur was two. And this was a very big deal because Xavier was an aristocrat. Arthur was studying IT at the St. Gabriel Private College uh, an hour from Non. And he was a waiter at a pizzeria. Thomas was the second eldest, and he earned a baccalaureate in literature when he was 17. I'm not really sure how French school works, but it seems pretty impressive. I mean, that... A baccalaureate... Is that like a bachelor's degree? I don't... I don't know. All right. I don't know how French school works. He was passionate about music and cinema and studied at the Catholic University of the West in Angers. He actually started a rock band. Yo, my dude! He had a rock band. So uh, Thomas's ex-girlfriend described him as being lighthearted and cheerful and really nice. And he would listen to what you had to say. And he was very close to his brother, sister, mother, and father. Anne was the only girl out of this group of kids. She modeled for mail-order magazines. She was in 11th grade and following a curriculum in science. And she was described as sharing her mother's religious beliefs. She was considerate and approachable. Benoit was the youngest, and he was an altar boy at St. Felix Church. And here is a photo of 
the family. So, so that's Javier or Xavier? Xavier. Sorry, my uh, mom is Agnes. Default of the Spanish. Arthur, Benoit, and Thomas. Okay. What I'm pointing to here, it'll be in our newsletter, but it's a collage just of portraits of each family member. All right, so Xavier. He was born in a French aristocracy. He created several businesses with limited success, mostly catering to traveling salespeople and restaurant guests. Selref, which is an acronym of some sort, S-E-L-R-E-F, was a restaurant, hotel, and conference hall verification service. So what he would do would be to sell an estimation of the services that would be provided for a lunch, dinner, reception, or conference at an intended venue. He posed as a guest using fake identities and would travel across France verifying each venue. So so he traveled a lot? He traveled a lot, yeah. Doing just like... So with Selraf, it sounds like what he did was... Recon work, basically. Like, yeah, like he would go and be like, hey, how much is a conference? And then like put it up on the internet. It's, it's a weird thing that I don't really understand. I feel like a lot of this, at least now and likely then, could have been found very easily with an internet search or even just calling. Maybe. Or maybe it was more like... Was it just about like getting everything in one spot I, for vacations? I guess. Okay. N- none of my research got <clears throat> real specific into it because nothing lasted very long. That's fair. He wasn't very successful. Yeah, it, it, it seems like this specific one yeah. was for people who might be traveling so they only had to go to one place for all of this information. Right, and then Selraf was specifically geared towards like business executives okay and in 2005 the business reported uh six thousand euros which is about eight thousand dollars to the french national commerce and business register which is basically the french irs in 2007 he reported eighty six thousand euros which is like a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars okay so that's a big a big, big jump the truth however is the company generated huge debts oh because it's very costly to travel all over france and stay in very fancy hotels and eat at very fancy restaurants yeah i don't understand why he had to actually like eat i don't he could have just verified the price like with the menu again i don't really understand how this yeah company was supposed to work Another company he did was NetSurf Concept LLC. And the only thing I could find about that, granted I didn't look super hard specifically for that, uh, was rec- is that it was recorded on the commercial register as being in Florida. Uh, his in ad- the United States and Florida? Yes. Okay. His advisor was Gerard Corona, a French immigrant and manager of a company called Strategy Netcom, which was founded in 1998. Okay. So, Corona. Not the virus. Not the beer either. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody thinks about the beer anymore. Uh, So, Gerard Corona had this company, Strategy.com, which doesn't have anything to do with this NetSurf concept LLC. We're done talking about the company that uh, Xavier established and then failed to launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Strategy.com for a second and in Gerard Corona. He specializes in assisting foreigners with administrative and legal procedures in the United States, and he also helps clients open foreign bank accounts and obtain anonymous bank cards, allowing them to withdraw money anywhere in the world without leaving a trace. OK. 
okay. That's just what this guy does. Yeah. So. This is just getting good. All right. Another one of his ventures was the Crystal Club slash Traveling Salesman Road, which could be just a really bad translation from the French. But I saw it referred to as both. So maybe it's the same company or one is like a higher level of it. I don't know. It's a weird thing he did. Maybe it's like like a registry name and then the company name. Yeah. I don't know. But that operated on the internet but catered for everybody as opposed to Cellref, which was for executives. And so how that one worked is they would the person would get a book of vouchers and after scratching off a voucher it would reveal how much money could be spent on a meal at a participating restaurant. It was a book of scratchers. Yeah. For a particular venue. Yeah. The problem with that one was is that he didn't have any more than a dozen partner establishments, but he had hundreds of copies of his guide printed. So, who, okay, who was getting the guide? He just, he just printed up all the stuff. But, like, he had some businesses that were partnered with him and were like, yeah, we'll do this with you. A handful of them. And then, okay, how many books did he make? It says... Hundreds. Hundreds. And he was supposed to be selling them or giving them away? Yeah. Which one? Selling them? Selling them. Selling them. Okay. So it's like it, it's it's like schools do where they're like, yeah, hey, the buy coupon our books. coupon yeah, books yeah, yeah, for $10 and there's $1,000 of savings. Yeah. But I like that. you have to spend. I think that's what he was trying to do. Okay. Coupon book. Basically a coupon book. It didn't, it didn't fly. Yeah. Okay. Between 2003 and 2006, Xavier launched around 20 websites, but closed them one after the other. So he just had all these, like, startup ideas, and none of them... Is he is he trying to pull the producers? Yeah, he just... So this is where we get real specific. And what I'm going to do is give a day-by-day timeline, because that's just what you, we have to do. It's the easiest way. Okay. Because that's how specific this gets. Okay. In March 2011, Xavier had already obtained his firearms license and he'd been visiting the shooting range. Rifle bullets and a silencer had been purchased. The shooting range coach said he presented the required medical certificate that declared him mentally fit to carry a firearm, but had left an impression of someone, quote, not exuberant. Can can we just take a second here to congratulate France on their requirement of mental health certifications before giving out firearm licenses? Mm-hmm. Thank you, France. Chef's kiss to you. Continue. Thank you for the bare minimum. <laughs> You're right, though. <laughs> Jeez Louise. All right, continue. On April 1st, Arthur leaves college, but he doesn't show up at the pizzeria to get his paycheck, which surprises his boss, who says that Arthur always comes in on the 1st to get his check. Xavier goes to the shooting range with his friend Emmanuel and later buys cement, a shovel, and a hoe. And we know about cement. You guys... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> this reminds me of like. I just feel like there's no other place that he could have been going with this. Like with the cement thing, I, I read that and I thought this is just as bad as when they call and they're like, "I'm on vacation." <laughs> okay. Oh. No. On the second, Xavier buys four bags of quicklime from different shops around Nantes. Each is ten kilograms, which is about twenty-two pounds, which is the size of the bag of dog food I buy. Yeah. April 3rd. A neighbor sees Agnes for the last time, then later sees Xavier putting large bags in his car. Xavier, Agnes, and three of the kids go out to dinner and a movie. At 10.37 p.m., 
Xavier leaves a voicemail for his sister Christine and says, quote, we spent our Sunday evening in the cinema together and then a restaurant and we just got back. I'm just calling to ask if it's too late to speak to you on the phone and now I see it's gone to voicemail. If it's not too late, call me back or send me a text and I'll call you. Okay, I'm going to put the kids to bed. Say hi to everyone. See you soon, maybe, unquote. The Sounds mess- like a very normal phone call. The message was released to the public in September 2019. Okay, is there something that I missed? Oh, I got a finger wag. Well, we can circle back to that. Okay, okay. Write down April 3rd. I am taking notes. I have to take notes because if I don't, I will absorb everything and then it will become one item in my head. Yeah. So I have to take notes. Uh, Usually I have my iPad, but I forgot it. And so Maggie has given me a piece of paper and a pencil. I have also written Xavier shady as fuck. (laughs) So. Okay. Continue. April 4th. Okay. Xavier calls the school where Agnes worked and said that she would be out with gastroenteritis. I'm going to save you guys a Google. It's an infection of your intestines, and it's awful. So Anne and Benoit aren't at school, quote, due to illness, but their friends get worried because they can't reach them. Just because you're sick doesn't mean you throw your phone or your computer out the window. Yeah. And their friends are trying to call and text and cannot get a hold of them. The friends remember hearing a rumor about the family leaving for Australia due to a job transfer, but they find it really weird that Anne and Benoit hadn't told them that they were about to leave, and they try to text and message the two of them. Xavier talks to Christine, his sister, on the phone for 20 or 30 minutes, and she said that everything seemed normal. Is this still the fourth? Yes. Okay. He takes Thomas to a high-end restaurant for dinner that night around 9 p.m., Two waiters remember Thomas feeling unwell toward the end of the meal and that Xavier and Thomas barely spoke. So that's the, that's the fourth. Okay. April 5th. A debt collector comes to the house to try to recover 20,000 euros. Whoa! I might have been saying pounds earlier. I don't remember. If I was, I meant euros. A debt you said col- 20 euros? 20,000 euros. 20,000 euros. Which is about $24,000. But no one comes to answer the door. Neighbors dispute Agnes's date of death. Spoiler, she's dead. Oh. (laughs) I didn't think anyone was going to (laughs) die. Not on the Murder Moms podcast. Okay, so Agnes's death. Okay. Uh, Neighbors dispute her date of death, claiming to have seen her in front of the house on April 5th and 7th. The prosecutor and Nant admitted that Forensic experts were unable to narrow down the exact date. They specifically were like, yeah, we can't say it for sure it was this this day, so maybe. An employee at a salon nearby claims to have seen her on the 5th talking on her phone around 12.15 or 12.30. Thomas spent the 5th at a friend's house in Angers where they played music and watched TV because he had a band, a rock band. He planned to sleep over, but Xavier called and said Agnes had been in a bicycle accident and was in the hospital. I thought that she was sick. <laughs> I'm giving her a very meaningful look right now. No, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, stick to a story. Not you, obviously. So, Xavier says now that she's been in a bicycle accident and is in the hospital. Thomas ate quickly with his friend and then took a train ride home around 10 p.m. Over the next few days, the friend tried to reach Thomas, but only received brief text message replies claiming 
uh, that Thomas is sick and that he didn't have a phone battery left and that he didn't have a charger. Okay. And the last time Thomas's friend heard from him was the, a few days later. Like, the, I think he said the 7th. Okay. And it, that's what he said. It was like, oh, my phone's dying. My dad's going to go get me a charger. Pauline, Thomas's ex-girlfriend, spoke to him on Facebook on the 5th while he was at his friend's house and said he seemed, quote, odd in his way of writing when he told her about the accident. She noticed that he seemed, quote, lonely and had been acting unusual. Through the week, neighbors heard the dogs howling for two nights in a row and then never heard them again. Investigators believe that Xavier murdered Agnes and three of his children on the night of April 3rd, then murdered Thomas on the night of April 5th. Agnes was 48 at the time of her death, Arthur was 20, Thomas was 18, and was 16, and Benoit was 13. So, why did they think that he didn't kill Thomas at the same time? Because Thomas was at a friend's house. For two days? Until the 5th. Oh, okay. And on the 3rd... I thought it was just that day that he was over there. Mm-mm. But he had gone over there. And on the 3rd was the last time that anybody had seen Agnes or the kids. Yeah. So the 3rd, if we remember circling back, is that weird-ass voicemail. Yeah. To me, it sounds like he's setting up an alibi. Where like, he, for all the things that they yeah, did. Yeah, we, we went to the movies, we went to dinner, we just got back. Is it too late for me to talk to you? Just just text me. But that was um, at seven twenty at night. Like that doesn't seem like like it would be too late. Well ten no, it was ten thirty. Oh ten thirty. Yeah. Okay. And I then, wrote down seven twenty. See you guys, this is why I gotta take notes. <laughs> what's really kinda creepy to me is that if he did kill his kids on the third, he's like, Okay, I'm putting the kids to bed. Yeah. Like, permanently. Yeah. And see you soon. Maybe. I can't. It's very weird. I, and we've had this conversation um, a lot because of situations in our uh, lives, but I I cannot imagine ever intentionally hurting my children, Mm -mm. much less killing them. Like, that is, I I couldn't. Mm -mm. I I literally could not. My three-year-old was chasing me around the kitchen last night and I was like, all right, dude, you gotta go. Like it's hot in here, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. he got mad because he's three and he didn't want to stop playing. And he bit my butt and I jerked and like <laughs> he bites. Um and I, I jerked and when I did, like my my foot moved and I kicked his little foot and he fell in his butt and I was like, Oh my god I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for you to fall. I couldn't imagine intentionally hurting my children when, like, an accident made me feel so bad. Yeah. As crazy as my daughter makes me, like, she is a sassy four-year-old. Okay. But... Well, she's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't even begin to consider, like, what? Yeah. No. I have a photo here of the kids being all happy and goofy and silly. That's so sad. Yeah. I was like, do I want to be sad? Yep, let's put this picture in here. Yeah, and I think it's important to mostly focus on what was lost instead of the mm-hmm. monster of a person who could ever harm anybody, much less children, much less your children. Yeah, and <sighs> this picture is, is these four kids. And I say kids, even though they range from 13 to 20, but I mean, like, I'm 31. These are kids. 
These are babies. They're 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 on this plaid couch, and all four of them have their arms over each other's shoulders, and they're all just like laughing and looking at each other. And you can see a lot of love in this picture. That's what I was thinking. It was like they're so in love. Yeah. If it wasn't so sad, it would be delightful to see. Yeah. It really it looks like an image still that you would see at the beginning of like a sitcom show. Yeah. Like How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. That's what I, it looks like. It's one of the, the pictures from How I Met Your yeah, Mother. Yeah, like, they look so happy, it almost looks like it was intentionally posed, but it's it's really just, it's mm. just them being happy to be together. Yeah. So, that was the fifth. We still have days. That was the fifth. We have a whole month to get through. Great. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're okay? <laughs> I forgot we were going day by day, and it just, it's fine. Continue. All right. On April 6th, Xavier texted Emmanuel, his friend, but Emmanuel later says that it didn't, that he didn't recognize the speech pattern and that someone else may have sent the text. Arthur's girlfriend hasn't heard from him and goes to the house. She knocks on the door, sees the light on upstairs, and the dogs don't bark. On April 7th, several witnesses claim to have seen Agnes alive. Xavier is seen making several trips to his car, loading it with large bags. A neighbor claims that she, quote, saw Agnes walking her dog. We spoke briefly, then I cut our chat short. I'm almost convinced I saw her on the evening of the 7th because I pick up my son from the childminder every Thursday evening, end quote. So this person is like, it was definitely the 7th. It was Thursday. I had to go pick up my kid. Yeah. So there are claims that Agnes was alive on the 7th, but it's hard to prove. Yeah. Because it's just, it's eyewitness claims. There's no video or like hard proof yeah and they've done research on it too the more you hear about a situation the more your brain starts to warp to adopt that reality yeah well a report on france too in october 2013 stated that over two years later the neighbor was still convinced that she saw agnes on the 7th and another friend of agnes also said that she was in her store on either the 7th or the 8th and there were a couple people who were just like, no, she was definitely alive this day. That makes it worse. Yeah. Because that would mean that she... Knew. Yeah. But again, where's the solid proof? Yeah. So, on April 8, two friends of Arthur supposedly received texts from Agnes. I'm going to do air quotes there. Yeah. And says, hi, don't worry, Art has gone with his dad to the Paris region to help with a moving... Someone moving. He forgot his cell, and my husband has forgotten his battery charger. We told the school he fell off his scooter. He'll be back on Saturday working at the pizza bar. Have a nice day. Xavier wrote to Agnes's principal that she'd been hospitalized. He went online for the last time from the home IP address, according to the state prosecutor, and emailed his brother-in-law that, quote, everything's fine, Bertram. You'll hear more detailed news soon through Christine. Bye for now. All the best, Xavier. A message was also sent to his mother and sister. After this was revealed on May 7th, the family lawyer, Stefan Goldstein, speculated that they were, the letters were written under duress and that Xavier killed himself or was murdered. And that's the family lawyer, so he, of course, is going to be like, no, no, uh, Xavier wouldn't kill his family. Wait, Xavier is dead as well? Mm-hmm. This is the lawyer speculating. You so- just, but you just, <laughs> you just said under duress that somebody made him do it it was speculated 
After the message was revealed on May 7th, the family's lawyer speculated, speculated. Go on. That the messages were written under duress and that Xavier killed himself or was murdered. So he speculated they were written under duress. So he speculated they've that never found Xavier. That Xavier killed himself or was murdered. They've never found him. Yes. Okay. On April 10th, Xavier goes to Arthur's school um, because he's away, he was away at college. Yeah. Uh, he went to his school and t- removed his things from the dorm room. And he said to a student who was wondering what was going on, what one does not do for one's kids. This so, is Arthur's stuff, right? This is Arthur's stuff, the oldest. So he's making it out to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you do what you have to do. Which is kind of a weird thing. Um, and this was confirmed by sightings, security footage, and radar flashings on highways. Can you clarify what radar flashings are for me? I have a feeling it's because it's, you know, Europe. I think that it's either like speed traps or the... Like toll collectors? Yeah. I think I think it's like that. Either that or they just have like random security camera things. Because, you know, Europe is better about people's security. Yeah, America just my freedoms. Hmm. April 11th. Anne and Ben Wall's school receives a letter signed by Xavier stating that they will be leaving school and moving to Australia due to, quote, urgent professional changes. Around this time, their school tuition is completely paid off. The Catholic school where Agnes works receives a, reg- a resignation letter signed by Agnes saying she's moving to Australia. The headmaster of Agnes's school is unable to reach her by phone. A typed, unsigned letter dated the 11th. The date may have been added afterwards. They're not really sure. Mm-hmm. Is sent to Xavier's family and was eventually revealed by the press on May 5th. The letter is unsigned and contains a few grammatical errors, which was unlike him. Xavier spends the night at the Hotel Premier Class in Blagnac. Terrible French. You're trying. I man. never took any French classes. My husband did, and now he knows how to count to t- ten and say, My name is Javon. So, and he took three years. So, he didn't miss anything. Pays by credit card, leaves in his own car. So, this letter. I'm going to talk about it briefly here and then go into more detail later on. Okay. So, I'm not allowed to ask questions? You're not allowed to ask questions. You're, we're going to read the whole letter later um, because I want you to react to it. And we won't have time, so we'll just cut out. So, in this letter, Xavier explains that after having worked covertly for the American Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA... The family is relocated to the United States as part of a federal witness protection program. I remember this part. And that no one will be able to contact them for a few years. I remember this part. He advises relatives to circulate reports on social media that they've moved to Australia. There's no proof that this letter was actually written by Xavier. (laughs) That was the 11th. On April 12th, Xavier spends the night at the Auberge de Casagna in La Punte in southeastern France under the name Laurence Xavier and pays by credit card. This is a five-star luxury hotel and he takes a prestige suite and he orders half a bottle of burgundy. Staff said he was well-dressed, relaxed, and quote, didn't appear to have a care in the world. The manager says, quote, he stood out because he chatted a lot with the staff. He was very nice with everybody. This man just killed his whole family. I was like, and now for a relaxing night in the hotel. Well, this is the second night in the hotel. Should He's already been one night in the hotel. Fuck, man. He's having a great time. What okay. kind of so... Okay. 
On April 13th, neighbor Estelle Chapon becomes concerned and calls PD. Xavier and Agnes's siblings have also reported them missing. The house has been shuttered for a week, but Agnes's car has been parked out on the street the whole time. Four officers check in by calling a locksmith and entering the house. It's relatively empty and the kitchen and bedrooms are spotless. The bed sheets are stripped and some photographs are missing. Police don't consider this suspicious or find anything suggesting foul play, so they just leave. It looks like they just packed up and left. Agnes's family is unconvinced and they urge police to investigate more, eventually leading to the events of the 21st. Xavier spends the night in La Seine-sur-Mer in Vaux, southeastern France. He'd lived there in the 1980s and an ex-girlfriend informed police that he had tried to contact her, but they did not meet. Dude, the fuck? On April 14th, Xavier withdraws 30 euros from an ATM in, oh God, this is the hardest one to say, Roque Bruin sur Argent in Va, which is on the Mediterranean coast. Oh, so he's like travel traveling now. Oh yeah, he's traveled like 500 miles, a butt ton of miles. Um, here is him withdrawing money. This is what he looked like withdrawing money yeah, from the ATM. Yeah, he looks very well kept, like he doesn't look disheveled he doesn't have any shaggy hair he might have a five o'clock shadow it's hard to tell because blurry atm photo i don't think he does though um he looks like just a dude so it's like oh okay let me let me pull out some cash yeah i i would not think twice if i passed him apparently those were his last 30 dollars oh so yeah that that's him at the atm just getting getting every last little penny out of this that he can he stays at the Formula One Hotel, which is a budget hotel. <laughs> Let me tell you, I saw a picture. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't put it in here. But the entrance to this hotel looks exactly like you think it does. <laughs> There's. I just love that he blew so much money on this five-star fancy-ass hotel for, like, a top suite. And then two days later... Mm-hmm. Two days later, he's like, and now it's time to live off this measly 30 euros. And the Formula One hotel, like, literally the front has, like, checker flag. There's yeah. red. And it kind of looks like the entrance to uh, advanced auto parts or an auto zone. I'm... <laughs> so, yeah, he stayed at the Formula One hotel, which is a, a budget hotel. And he's captured on surveillance. And this is the last known sighting of him. Ever. Ever. On April 15th, he checks out of the hotel, he abandons his, abandons his car there, and he just walks away. He looks straight at the security camera as he walks away. He pauses for a couple oh, yeah. seconds. All he's carrying is a backpack and a long bag, kind of like you would carry a rifle in. On April 19th, not prosecutor Xavier Ronson, this gets real interesting because they're both named Xavier, but Xavier Ronson launched an investigation into the disappearance finally. And the American Embassy in Paris verified with the US and the DEA that they had not heard of Xavier. And he and his family were definitely not in a production program. <laughs> On April 21st, so now this is the important day, April 21st, a wanted notice is issued for the family Police visit the house for a second time with a search warrant. And this time they decide the house is not as tidy as they first thought it was. There were odds and ends lying around, photos are missing, beds are stripped, and there's trash bags full of clothing laying on the floor in the bedrooms. 
in the bathroom, there's boxes of anti-anxiety and antidepressant medication, and some had been opened, and some had pills missing. In the basement slash office, documents had been removed and were missing, and there was no sign of the computer. Oh. So an officer notices that the earth under the terrace in the backyard on the right side wasn't tamped down quite the same as everywhere everywhere else in the yard, and she begins to scratch at it with her fingers. So a terrace, just to be clear... It's like a back porch. ...is an elevated porch. Yeah. So... And um, there was, like, a space underneath it. Yeah. And they used to throw crap under their, like, uh, their skates and their bike, and they yeah. had, like, the dog stuff under what there. What are the... It's a deck. That's So nice. it's elevated, so there's storage space underneath it. Usually kids go under it, and there's spiders, and parents are like, don't go under there, there's spiders. <laughs> spiders. <laughs> But the officer comes, and she goes underneath it, and she starts digging at it with her fingers. And this is like a horror movie scenario to me. Yeah. And after digging into it a little bit, she comes to some cement. But the cement hasn't fully hardened yet. And she's able to dig her nails into it, and it starts to crumble. And she just kept digging into this cement, and she feels something soft. And she wipes all the cement out of the way, and it is a leg. That's some nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, that is immediate trauma. And I believe the reason that the cement hadn't hardened completely was because he had covered it with dirt. So it didn't get warm and, like, aerated and dry. Yeah, because you have to keep it exposed. Yeah. But he covered it with a layer of dirt. And also it's, like, under the Mm -hmm. deck, under the terrace, and so it probably wasn't getting as much sun as it needed. They immediately call forensics in, and they find five bodies under a thin layer of dirt and the quick lime. Everybody is wrapped in a sheet or a duvet, and tucked under each sheet or duvet is either a rosary or a small statue of the Virgin Mary. I saw in some places uh, that there was a cross, but some kind of, like, Catholic iconography. Mm -hmm. Also under the earth and the lime are the bodies of the dogs. Which is just awful. Like, like all of it's awful, but I don't know. It's because, and I know that, I know that most, I know that most serial killers start off by torturing and killing animals, but like, it still just makes me so sad. Animals are like, especially innocent. Like, those are the family dogs. Like, they're just perfect, innocent souls. And not saying like the kids aren't, of course. But animals have just, like, no concept of the surrounding yeah. context. Yeah, they don't understand yeah. so human emotions. Here's a picture level. of the back terrace with the forensics people underneath, underneath it. it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe three feet high, three, four feet high. There's not much space. Everybody's mm. crouched under there. I think I... I it looks I, feet maybe six feet wide. Yeah. And probably four feet deep, I would say, just... I mentioned it later, but I think I said it's about four feet high. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get a little more specific later. So, it's believed that Thomas was killed and buried last, as he was the last seen, and his grave is actually separate from the others. So, you got these three, and then Thomas. And it would have been a huge deal for Xavier to kill him, because Thomas is the technical heir to the nobility and the family name, because Arthur was adopted. Yeah. And that night, Xavier's car is found in the parking lot of the Formula One hotel by police using an automatic number plate recognition system. April 22nd. According to autopsy, the 
children were drugged and then shot twice with a 22 long rifle as they slept. Agnes didn't have drugs in her system, but she used a sleep apnea machine and it was shut off in the middle of the night. So she was also uh, shot twice. They figure that she, instead of being drugged, they, he just turned off her machine and that's how she died. Why did he shoot her? I don't know. But Xavier did have a 22 that he inherited from his father. The prosecutor and Nance says he will allow them to be buried in the next few days, which is very fast. And that combined with the fact that the family was advised not to view the bodies leads Xavier's relatives to believe that the bodies are not Agnes and her children. An international arrest warrant is issued for Xavier to obtain witness testimony from him in regards to the murders. I'm sorry. They were shot twice in the head. And they think that the reason they don't want them to see the bodies is because it's not them? Well, it says they were shot twice. Okay, it's not specifically the head. It doesn't say. I don't know. That seems a little out of left field for me. I don't know. But, yeah, they... I'm sure there would have been some sort of scientific method that they used to find out who they were. Well... But the, the warrant issued for Xavier is actually not an arrest warrant for the murders, but just as, like, you're a witness and we want to talk to you. Is that, like, their way of being sneaky? Well, France is kind of weird in their laws. Like, I guess at, at that point in time, they didn't have enough evidence to be like, this was definitely him. Like, maybe he was kidnapped or maybe he's buried elsewhere or whatever. So they just issued the warrant to be like, hey, he's a witness. Yeah, but you also have him in a hotel with multiple people seeing him and speaking to him. You have him at an ATM by himself. You have a video of well, him. Like, that was, this is the next day after they find the bodies. Oh, okay. Is when they issue this warrant. So at that point in time, like, they don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. That's the the 22nd. On the 28th, so about a week later, the funeral is held at St. Felix Church in Nantes, which is where the family regularly attended, attended, and Benoit was the altar server. 1,400 people attend the funeral. The family requests a simple ceremony, and significant security is provided. The bodies are cremated after the funeral. On April 29th, the next day, a search is carried out in Va on April 30th, the family is buried in Noyer-sur-Seron in East Central France, where Agnes's family is from. Okay. On May 10th, by this on May by May 10th, they've you know gathered evidence about Xavier. Yeah. On May 10th, an international arrest warrant is issued for him. Okay. So by, at that point, they're like, "You're a suspect. We want you here now." Yeah. On June 23rd, caving experts searched. 40 natural caves in a 10-mile radius around Roquet Bruin sur Argent. It's the big name that I'm not good at saying. So that's our timeline. Yeah. There's a lot there, but that's why I was like, we have to go day by day, because it's just, there's a lot there. That was a very busy month. Yeah. So the next part I have is the investigation and stuff the investigation turned up. Okay, guys, that's where we're going to stop for this episode, but we will see you next week for part two when we finish with this very detailed story. Just so much. Yep, but we'll see you next week, so don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all that good stuff. We'll see you then.